Welcome to episode four of Hub Shots. I'm Ian, and how are you, Craig? I'm well. Yes, welcome to take two of episode four of Hub Shots. Yes. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? It's Wednesday evening here in Sydney, and uh, I think we had a bit of sound issues yesterday. Yeah, sorry about that. But that's okay. Um, and I think that brings us to the point of we need to check our inputs when, <laughs> yes. when doing what we're doing. Always be checking. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, cool. So inbound thought of the week for this week. What are we talking about? I think we're talking about sales enablement. So, yes, we are. Now, right. sales enablement. Let me give you a little, um, what is sales enablement? Yeah. What's the, what's the definition? It's a systematic approach to increasing sales productivity by supporting reps with the right content, training, and analytics they have to have more successful sales conversations. And this is from Sales Enablement for Dummies. So I think for us, if we're talking about um, sales enablement, I think this is very key as the changing base of sales and marketing appear. Mm-hmm. And as people's buyers journeys appear, and I think this is really important in terms of what we need to to help the people in sales to make that uh, connection. Yeah, I, I agree. The thing I really like about that definition is how it talks about productivity as part of it. Uh, so not just the process, but productivity as in general, because sales people tend to do a lot of busy work. Uh, preparing for meetings and and uh, calls with clients. So sales enablement uh, really does focus on taking away a lot of that admin and busy work and allowing the sales teams to focus on actually adding value to the people that they're speaking to. Yeah, look, I think one of the biggest things that I learned from that is that when sales are sourcing a lead, you know, they're looking up lists on the web, they're digging through contacts, they're trying to find email and phone numbers. And you know what? Sometimes they don't even have a CRM that they're actually tra- exactly. tracking it in and they don't know if someone's actually even called that person. And uh, <clears throat> from what I heard last time, you know, that was taking like 10 minutes per lead. So if you add all those 10 minutes that people are trying to do as they go through this process, I can understand why it is a real grind. Yeah, exactly. And one of the another big things was um, sales rep need content, right? But they find content hard to find, apparently. Okay. And there's interesting statistics that, uh, on, when we were at Inbound. They said, what is 30 hours? And it says it's the amount of time per month an average salesperson spends searching for and creating selling materials. Now, that's a lot of time. Yeah. If you think about the whole cycle of sales and prospecting, just imagine if we could enable that and provide them the right content to provide to the right person at the right time. Yeah, exactly. And part of that's just pre-built templates of outlines of things to talk about and how to help um, prospects as well. So it can start off simple. It doesn't even have to be huge documents just to get the process a bit more optimized. Yeah. So, I mean, here's my little tip and I picked this up from somebody today I was speaking to actually. Mm -hmm. He just started using the HubSpot CRM. Mm -hmm. Someone had recommended it to him and he started using that with Sidekick and he was telling me how much he loved it. Now, one of the things in Sidekick you can do is actually have templates. And I spoke about this earlier, you know, put a template in there for when they're making those calls and say, preface it with do not send and put the call script in there. Have yeah. the qualifying questions, have the points that 
people they need to cover with the prospective person. Yeah, exactly. And the the good thing about uh, HubSpot CRM and Sidekick is you can get started for free. And I, Sidekick, the, the free version even includes up to five templates, I think. And if you want to yes. go over that, it's, uh, you're getting into the paid plans. But yeah, the cost of entry is pretty low there. And it certainly saves a lot of time getting that all in place. Yep. Well worth it, I think. And I would recommend trying it out. Definitely. Now, Craig, here's a little side note. I, I know you visited HubSpot this week in their new Sydney offices. I did. It was great. Uh, Monday morning, I got to meet my new account manager, Varun, and he's really cool, a uh, quality guy. Uh, and as part of meeting him, I got to see the new HubSpot offices. Uh, they've been growing in Sydney, so they've got a whole floor now in a new building, and it's very... A very nice fit out, actually. They've uh, got a nice area, uh, nice workstations. They've got a, a ping pong table, PlayStation, all of that, boardroom. And in their kitchen, they've got beer on tap. So, you know, uh, you can't complain there. Get, uh, no, you can't. And I, I heard uh, on social, yeah. that apparently that beer tap came from Boston. Oh, there you the go. Sprocket beer tap. Wow. So, yeah, they're doing okay. So, no, it's nice. So, yeah, really good. And... Um, I think the caliber of HubSpot people, this really struck me when I met Varun. And of course, we've known Mads for ages. He's a top guy and the other people there in the team. Very high caliber. And I know it takes them a while to hire the right people. And that company is growing quickly. And so it's really good just to see them taking the time to getting the right people in place. And they're very... They're very helpful. So, yeah, that was great. Exciting mm. for me. Yeah. And I guess one thing with the whole hiring and um, one thing that some of my mentors have said, and they got me to read this book called Top Grading. Top Grading. And, okay. And that's a great book. It's a chunky book. Okay. But a great book. But basically it gives you the tools to do the hiring. And I think one of these things is that never be afraid to actually test people out. So people can tell you lots of things in interviews and they can claim to do lots of things, but until you put them to the paces, you'll never know what they actually know. And I know, I think Ryan was speaking about this to us, Ryan Bonici. Mm-hmm. I think they really put people through a test and say, well, you know, well, here's this page. Why isn't this converting? Tell me what's not converting. What would you do to make it convert better? So it's very application practical based. And I, I think I really love that about it. Yeah, I do too. It's all about getting results. And that's a good tip for, well, our audience, I guess it's primarily marketing managers and marketing teams, maybe some salespeople as well. So yeah, marketing managers, especially when they're building out their teams, they really need to be focusing on making sure candidates can actually get stuff done. And so, yeah, that's a good tip. Give them a, give them a test, give them a piece, uh, a page or piece of content and ask them to optimize it to actually get results. Yeah. So, Craig, I had this really interesting issue that we had last week. Okay. One of my team, when we signed up for HubSpot and we were using marketing, we had his email as first name at our company name. And what happened was when we then obviously got CRM and we started using Sidekick, he started using things with his first, so first name dot last name right. at our business. And it was really interesting because when we signed up for Psychic Job for business, what happened was that I noticed that things weren't matching up. So, because it was his first name dot last name 
at our business and um, he wasn't being recognized as psychic for business users when he was in the system. Right. So I deleted him out of HubSpot marketing part and then I tried adding him back with the details. But when I added him back, he had a capital in his uh, when the email started and I right. thought, okay, well, that's the difference and things aren't working. So I rang support. I spoke to them. I said, look, I think this is a problem, but I thought it was odd because usually it's all lowercase. Yeah. And uh, they said, yeah, I can see that. And I said, but then they, they told me to do exactly the same thing, delete, add. And when I put his email back in, it recognized it and brought up his first and last name. So I said, it obviously knows that he exists somewhere and it was pre-filling his details. So anyway, about 24 hours later, they've rectified it and made it all lowercase. And right. that's actually fixed the problem between Sidekick for Business, CRM, and the marketing platform. Wow, right. That's really interesting. When you mentioned this to me earlier, I was like, I don't believe this because we've had a very similar problem with a client of ours where one particular person in the sales team is just getting lots of weird things happening, sidekick not working, not matching, uh, going to spam, all kinds of various things. The only thing I found was that they had a capital in their name and I was like, in their email address, I was like, oh, no, I was chatting with the other people there. I was like, couldn't be this, couldn't possibly be that, no. But isn't that so weird that that is the case? And so, yeah, we're looking at getting that fixed now as well. It's kind of kind of a bizarre issue. But I guess the takeaway for anyone listening is if you do have these kinds of strange conflicts, then that's one thing to look for email address weirdness even a capital can throw it out so something to check there yeah hopefully they'll change it so it doesn't cause anything you'd hope wouldn't you yeah that's right hey so uh, a little topic i wanted to chat with you about was this idea of data cleansing and cleaning out old contacts in your database and i got this actually i got this idea from uh, one of the recent episodes of the hubcast and they were just talking about I guess, um, contact list hygiene. Mm. And so I wanted to ask you about what's your thoughts. So do you tend to be pretty ruthless cleaning up your contacts or do you just let them fill out and and go for it? What's your kind of approach? And and Uh, in fact, how do you work with clients around that? Look, I think when I'm within my limits, I don't worry about it too much, but I definitely do look at it regularly and do clean it up. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I did that I came across, which I will be implementing is on the HubSpot marketing blog, there's a whole bunch of workflows that they suggest we should be using. Yeah. And there's a, it's an email marketing workflow, but it's a, it's a re-engagement workflow and the main trigger is inactive contacts. Yeah. So I guess what you can do is implement this and then based on the what you get back from this email marketing is then do a cleanup based on those inactive contacts. Yeah, exactly. I I agree. Uh, And this is, I guess, a bit of a follow-on from previous episode where we're talking about some of these workflows and reconnecting with cold contacts and that kind of thing. So that's a probably, that's a really good first step. Um, If you, if you've got old contacts, at least try and warm them up a bit, but then if uh, they're not responding, then use a workflow to perhaps get them out of your system stop clogging up and actually costing you extra money as well if you're over your limits. Yeah. So I guess if you're just using CRM, it doesn't really matter. No. But if you're connecting CRM with marketing, then it is going to matter. Yep. And I think it is good practice. It's one of those things where it's like cleaning your house, right? 
Yeah. Don't clean your house. You get <laughs> lots of stuff in it and then you can't find anything. Yeah, that's right. All, All right. right. HubSpot feature of the week. Um, we have the ads add-on. Now, to be honest, I haven't used the ads add-on and it's something I will be using and I'll tell you why we haven't used it is because it was only available in US dollars. Right. Now, this change means that it's now available in many different currencies. So now we can use it in Australian dollars. So that's to promote your content <coughs> and do advertising via Google and LinkedIn. So I'd encourage anyone who is listening, give it a try now. You can get a free trial. I think it's 14 days and um, try it out. Try promoting some of that content that you have through LinkedIn and, mm. and seeing the reaction you get. Yeah, I'm going to give that a go. Nice one. Yeah, definitely. All right, new capture forms. Yeah, I just noticed this today. So I actually haven't tried it yet, but I just wanted to sneak it into the uh, into the episode that uh, now on forms, HubSpot have uh, just got a little uh, tick box you can add capture forms. So I, I don't know if I'd actually need this because I haven't had a spamming problem with bots spamming any of my HubSpot forms, but uh, obviously some people have. They've needed this kind of feature in there, but... It's good yeah, to you have. Know, it is interesting because I have never had this problem either. Hmm. But in the way they've implemented, I'm quite uh, quite impressed because that's using that new recapture feature in Google where you yeah. just got to click the button. Yep. Um, and I think that's a big step forward because we struggle because we've implemented it for many customers on other website platforms. Right. And people often struggle with it. So, yeah, yeah look, that's a great uh, addition and I think we should be very happy with that. Yeah, it's a nice one. Okay, HubSpot tip of the week, Craig. Yeah, so speaking of HubSpot forms, just thought I'd mention this. This is probably rare, hopefully doesn't happen very often, if at all, for you. But I've had the experience with some content management systems that I use where embedding a hubspot form so the embed code you put it into the into the form into the page when it renders it doesn't actually show in the correct place on the page for me it's often right off the bottom or it's kind of really left uh, on the left side of the browser just in the wrong place and it's not it's not consistent so it's actually hard to reproduce it only happens occasionally it was it was bugging me for ages, but um, HubSpot support solved it for me. And the the solution for it, if you happen to have this issue, is simply to put a named div around it. A div is just a little piece of HTML code that you put around the actual embed script that you put into your page. And I've actually just put a little blog post together that just explains how to do it, and that solves it so beautifully. So quick tip, action. Uh, item for any people experiencing that, just uh, fix your embed code there and the blog post will guide you through how to do that. Yeah, and you know what? And I think I'd love to say thank you to HubSpot support because <laughs> they have been good and I think that's one big difference that I noticed between HubSpot and other businesses that we deal with. Yeah, they are good. So tell me about the five-minute callback thing that you've... Yes, so I experienced that this this week or late last week where I went to find a number and I couldn't find the number. And so what I did was I had to fill out this form and they said someone will call you back within five minutes. Uh, and they did. They called me back probably about three minutes later wow, and initiated the call, which is fantastic. So again, not waiting for anything, mm. just doing quickly and they've already got your details so you don't have to explain who you are <clears throat> what you're doing. Impressive. Yeah. 
So another great upgrade. Yeah. Okay, now your challenge of the week. Okay, so this is actually a challenge of the week follow-up slash tip of the week. And remember a couple of episodes ago I was I was lamenting, I guess, uh, with a client that wouldn't let me test Facebook. They just didn't want to have a bar of Facebook. And I was like, well, I think we should test it at least. So just one way to kind of get around that is what you can do is set up a Facebook custom web audience which if you're familiar with Facebook kind of advertising is just a way of adding a pixel to your site and uh, Facebook tracks it and will basically match that with people that are on Facebook. So what you can do is actually add this pixel and create an audience in Facebook and then come back a couple of weeks later and see how many people are actually in that list. And if there's a healthy size to that list, then it's indicative that Facebook might actually be a good channel to advertise on for your business. So without even spending any money or having to set up accounts or anything like that, you can just set up a a custom web audience for your client and at least give them an indication of um, what kind of uh, results or what kind of audience they might get and when i say your client i was actually talking about my clients when uh for people listening to this who are probably marketing managers it's in a way that you can personally set up uh a a custom web audience for your company and and see what kind of response you might get from facebook so that's my quick tip of the week and a kind of a follow-up to a challenge of the week that i had a, a few weeks ago you know what? I think that is a great tip for someone wanting to test to see whether there is an audience there. Yeah. So, well, that's good. All right. There was an interesting um, tweet from HubSpot. Yeah. Not so long ago, it said, which is about social spamming. It said, half heartedly sharing your content on social media isn't marketing, it's spamming. Yeah. What do you think? Agree or disagree? Uh, I can, I don't know where I stand on this, to be honest, Craig. All right. Because well, I think that some people have to start somewhere. And I think you're probably of the same opinion. I am. Yeah. Um, start doing and gain momentum. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is that, uh, especially in Twitter world, um, I've heard someone talk about hashtag spamming. Right. So, you know, how many hashtags is too much? Yep. And uh, again, understanding who you're talking to and what you want to be found for and then appropriately fashion, fashion your message. So what do you think? Yeah, so look, I tended to disagree with this quote that HubSpot put in. And just to be fair, it's a provocative uh, quote they've put on a Twitter post and it points to an article that's actually really good. But it just did raise that question of whether it's spamming. Like if you just get on social and you are half-heartedly sharing your content, is that, uh, your content, is that spam? I don't think it is. And for the reason that you mentioned, because a lot of companies aren't on social and so they can't go from A to Z in one step. They can't go to uh, uh, social strategy, clear social strategy for the company and um you know, a, a, a full-on um, approach to it, they've got to take baby steps. And so I, I use the term social presence versus social strategy. I think social presence is a good way to start. Dip, mm. your, dip your toe in the water. Agreed. Make a start and aim for incremental improvement. 
that's yeah. the, that's the key and that might just be half-heartedly sharing your content but you've got to make a start somewhere and also <laughs> i think the word spamming is just a bit it's you know it's, it's got this connotation with email spam which is bad yes it's terrible and it's obviously yeah. not nothing like that so so again i think it's a habit isn't it and i think one of the things mm-hmm. um if we were to point people towards a resource i think there is a resource about it's the social media checklist that you can go through for 20 minutes a day mm. and that's actually in you can get through to the marketing platform yeah good point yeah all right so state of inbound report which we which we're chugging through <laughs> we love this um, report yeah it's good you know what it's great it gives us some sort of benchmark and something to to discuss and know where we can improve ourselves and i think that's what i love about it yeah so what are we talking about this week so Let's talk about page 44. Mm-hmm. said North America leads in ROI tracking. Mm. Now, I think I can understand why. Again, back to our discussion where we said, um, you know, we seem to be so far ahead in North America in terms of their understanding, A, of inbound, and I guess also tracking and what's out there. So far ahead, you mean like they're so far ahead of Australia? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So, and I think because of that, um, that's obviously clearly highlighted in the in the report. And I think for us here in Asia Pacific, in Australia, is that we've got to really put some effort into getting our tracking in place properly. Yeah, I agree. I think um, ROI tracking is just one indicator of where North America is ahead. And the, it's a, a simple example is I'll often go into clients the first time and ask them about analytics and they don't even have analytics in place. Or if they do, they don't have uh, goals set up so they can't even track conversions, let alone getting to a point where they can try and track ROI and measure that against spend and things like that. So there does seem to be still many websites in Australia where they don't even have the basics in place. And this is, I guess, what the State of Inbound report highlights um, where the rest of the world is is lagging behind North America and ROI tracking is a key one. And the, the thing, thing about ROI tracking is and why it's so important is because that's by demonstrating ROI, you can be much more effective at getting budget for your next quarter or next year and um, continuing on with your work. So uh, that's uh, certainly a good thing to focus on. Yeah. So I think one of the big things also, Craig, is that we're talking about goals, right? Mm. People often, I have found, don't put a value against their goals. Right. So uh, I was having this conversation with a client and I think – you know, even if it's a dollar or you have to make it up, have that honest conversation like, well, if you don't know, you know, how much is that call worth to you? If someone picks up the phone and calls you, okay, it's worth 10 bucks. Okay, put $10 in there. Yeah, that's a good You can refine it later, but it gives you something to go off. And I think that's a really key thing. So start putting some data in there so you can get a feel of what's going on. Yeah, a good point. Totally agree. I'm just going to add one more thing onto that as well as an action item. So if you're a marketing uh, manager or a professional listening to this, if there's one thing you do tomorrow at work is go and check your goals are set up and check that they're still working because we 
it's very easy to miss these. Something changes on the website, someone changes a URL, so that goal that used to be tracking no longer tracks, and you find out two months later, oh, why these conversions go down? So always be checking that your goals are properly configured and rechecking them. Very important. Yeah, great tip, Craig. All right, second part was in the sales section, right? Mm. On page 49, it said executive buyers are not very trusting of salespeople. To regain credibility among executives, salespeople should arm themselves with content and become active on social networks. Now, this is an interesting quote Mm. because if I think about salespeople, I know very few salespeople that are active on social networks, let alone <laughs> giving stuff to other people. Right. It's all take, it's, isn't it? The, yeah. No, no so actual you know contribution. I mean? Yeah. And um, look, if I look, and uh, there's an interesting report in the from Google in the automotive sales space, and they're saying, you know, people are already doing their research and making up their mind before they even walk into the dealership. Right. So if I take that in mind, like really, if that's happening, these dealerships or salespeople in the dealerships need to be producing content and be giving people value before they even get there. Right. And I think it's something that we have to go help people to transform to do that because as people are looking, I think there's a bit of a – the gap's massive – because even even with executives, I think, well, how many executives are actually looking on social for these sales guys giving information? Yeah, well, that's right. And I think if you're not contributing on social, uh, then you're easily overlooked. Uh, and there's a bit of an opportunity there, I think, for salespeople as well. If no one's really doing it, then there's an opportunity for you to actually differentiate by actually contributing. And even on on places like LinkedIn, I guess, is a key one, just getting involved in discussions and not kind of straight away promoting your own products or services, but actually offering value to people on those networks is a great way just to make initial connections. Yeah, I definitely agree, Craig. And I think, you know, try something because... You never know what you'll find and it could be as simple as, I'll take my example to um, a dealership for example, right? Right. Uh, If a salesperson knows that a particular person drives a particular brand of car, say a BMW, and they were trying to sell them another brand, Mm -hmm. it's not hard to find that out via social networks. Because prob- the person's probably liked the BMW Facebook page. They're probably following BMW on Instagram. Right. Um, you know, they've probably written a comment somewhere or they've mentioned that they have a particular type of car. So you can actually find a lot. Right. Yeah, that's a really good example. So just by actually going and finding a bit of context around your prospects, you're getting to understand them better what they're in the market for and what they're looking for. And so then you can actually add value to their whole buying journey, I guess. Yeah. You know what? I'm amazed and because I guess I like cars, (laughs) I am amazed. I've been following a particular brand and a type of car or model and I was amazed to read on some forums people even – this is how much into that they were. They even knew what ship their car was on. Oh, right. 
So they even said, I've got the manifest of the ship and this is the ship. It's going to come into the dock on this particular day and time. Wow. And then I'm expecting the dealer to collect it and deliver it to me on this day. <laughs> wow, that is keen. That's great. But you know what? Again, information and they've got access to the information and that's what they're interested in. And so I'm thinking from a perspective of if I'm in sales, well, you know what? If I know that they're buying this particular type of car and they are an enthusiast – why not give them that journey experience? Like, hey, mm. your car is coming down the production line next Friday. Right. Let me let me see whether the factory will send a picture of it. Right. Yeah. And you can imagine that the buyer, uh, the customer, would be they'd be sharing that stuff. They'd be mentioning it to friends. They'd be talking about. It. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think yeah, take action out of that. Make sure that you add value and you make the effort to get context around the prospects and the opportunities. Nice. So I, I wanted to ask you this question. There was a, a HubSpot blog um, post around uh, cold outreach, and we'll put this in the show notes, of course. What were your thoughts on this? And, or, and in fact, just the whole topic of cold outreach. Look, I have started, or we have started doing that, mm-hmm. and we use it we do it using um, Sidekick for business and the CRM. So pulling in some data through the CRM and then using using um, the data to be verified. We then either make a call or if we can verify via LinkedIn. Right. And then we're actually sending emails to the people that we want to talk to mm-hmm. and actually even attaching a, one of our downloads to it so they can actually without filling in forms and stuff, actually just get, get in and read it. Mm, nice. And using Sidekick for Business, you can actually track when they open the document. Right. So the, uh, there's a few things I like about that because when I think of cold out- outreach, I think of that totally irrelevant uh, email that's got no understanding of me as, as the recipient. They've not even taken the time normally to even get my name and it's just high that kind of stuff that's what i normally think of in as cold outreach but what you're actually saying is well cold outreach can actually be a lot richer it can have that context of what the person's interested in you've actually found some surrounding information about them because hubspot crm's pulling in a lot of that for you you're actually talking to them one-on-one one-to-one so it's not a massive well spam actually there's that word spam again it's not a massive just kind of blast to everyone mm-hmm. it's one-to-one you've provided context and you're actually af- offering them value is part of the outreach email by the attachment or the document that's tailored to what their particular needs uh, might be i like it yeah so i think it's just another avenue but doing it smartly through that method hmm Nice. Well, I'll be interested to hear what uh, results you get from that process. Be yes. Good to track well, in progress. fact, we are going to have a meeting with someone. All oh, right. You've already got Friday. a meeting. Nice. Yes. So, I mean, it's interesting. And again, uh, with with this outreach, again, I'll harp on about this. It's process and being consistent and also being consistent throughout your team. So for us, I was asking that really important question about did we qualify them properly? Did we ask the right questions? Right. And I think that's really the key. Nice. Well, Craig, I think that's the end of episode four. That's right. 
Time's up. I hope, it does. hope that was interesting. I certainly had fun. I'll uh, speak to you again next week. All right, Craig. See you. Okay, mate. See you. Bye. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.